Hi, this is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Kevin. Good Earl. Say hello. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin, a very sad Arizona sports fan this week. Oh, yeah. What a difficult week that was for you. Yeah, a little disheartening, to say the least. It's been 20 years since a team has won a championship in this state. So It's the, you know, that kind of reminds me of um, Ted Lasso with, isn't it, where he says it's the... He doesn't say that, but the phrase in there keeps coming up of it's the hope that kills you or the faith that kills you, right? Yeah, that's that couldn't be more true, honestly. I love that show because it speaks so deeply to me on like on like a really sentimental level. I, mm. I really do love that show for that reason. That's <laughs> it's such a good show. Mm. What character on Ted Lasso is your favorite, or do you identify with Gosh, most? What is his name? But like. You know the weird episode in season two with the assistant coach? I love the assistant coach, coach guy. The, the episode's strange, but I love that guy. Coach Beard. Yes. So, um, I mean, I was hoping that you would say Roy Kent, because he's my absolute favorite. I love Roy Kent. I'm I'm very surprised that you would pick the very opinionated, no, loud, <laughs> <laughs> loud player there. So we are in this series... Um, uh, the parables and reading through stories of Jesus um, and getting, you know, figuring out what does that mean for our life and for our faith and how we follow Jesus. So, um, Kevin, why don't you start off by talking about what parable you chose and what made you want to pick that one? I chose the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, forgiveness is such a Especially in today, today, like you go on Twitter, and you'll see that forgiveness is not a very popular topic, um, and honestly, rightfully so. It's like very hard to forgive some of the horrible people we see in this world. So, I thought I'd dive a little bit into that, see what Jesus had to say. Okay, I love that. Yeah, um, we don't have a good culture of redemption or forgiveness at all. So, um, okay, so then what is going on? So, like, do, let's do this. Um, was Jesus's story in response to a question? Was he responding to a specific person? Um, what was happening right before the parable that he decides to jump into telling it? Well, um, Peter, uh, maybe like a Roy Kent type of character, I guess you could say in the, in the gospel story, um, says, and ask the question, like, how many times should I forgive somebody? Should I forgive them seven times? And, and like, probably with kind of a, like, oh, yeah, I'm really awesome. I'm going to forget them seven times. Like, kind of show off for Jesus yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, and Jesus is like, well, actually, you should forget them 70 times, seven times. And then he jumps into this parable. Um, really interesting uh, answer by Jesus there. I'd say. Okay. That's that's really great to keep in mind then that he's he's responding to a question from Peter. So why don't you, do you want to read the whole parable or what do you want to do? Yeah, I could go ahead and read it. Okay. from the CSB. It's, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like my new favorite one right now. It has its origins. It's like the cleaned up NASB, if you're familiar with that. Um, it's a little um, 
No, no, it's 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 very interesting. I like okay. uh, this translation. Is a lot. that that's Christian Standard Bible? Right? Yes, okay. exactly. So, um, I'll start in verse twenty-three. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed ten thousand talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had been sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what he was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant, as I have had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also, also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so that was Matthew 18, 23 through 34. Yeah, that's I, I don't think we said the chapter. Yeah, that's yeah. just why I was including Yeah, that. for sure. So thanks so much for reading that, Kevin. So, okay, when you read that, then, like, um, what was it that, like, stuck out to you in that? There, was there a word or a phrase or, like, maybe the whole thing? Like, what was it that stuck out to you? I'm big into context, um, so I did a little bit of a background. Um, just three things really came to mind, just for like setting the stage so I could understand. One is like I, I did a little digging, and I I found um, in this chapter is really about this concept of like being an upside down kingdom. Uh, Jesus like telling all these stories about how like everything that you would expect is actually the exact opposite. Maybe as Christians we might see them as the norm, but like for that time and day. Um, back in um, around the time of Christ, mm-hmm. it was very opposite of what you would expect somebody to do. And so I looked in that context a little bit in the nature of Jesus kind of reversing everything almost. And within that, that digging, I found an interesting parallel between, um, I was, I was actually listening to a sermon about this by Tim Mackey and, yes. um, and a, a favorite of mine and probably yours Love as him. well. And he, he compared the story of the interaction between Jesus and Peter to uh, an account way back in Genesis, Genesis uh, chapter four, verses okay. like 23 and 24. And I'm actually just going to read that for you really quickly. What uh, podcast was this exploring my strange Bible? Yeah, this was yeah. in that one. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was, it was an excerpt from a sermon. He a sermon series he'd done yep. on Matthew. Yep. And so um, basically um, the passage, um, in, uh, is Genesis uh, 4, 23 through 24. Okay. So I'll just read a portion of that. Um, this, this is a man by the name of Lamech who's speaking. He's actually a son of Cain. Okay. And as we know, Cain was the first recorded murderer in, mm. in Scripture. 
So giving that context, he says, For I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then Lamech, it will be 77 times. So I was like, that's the, like, there's, whenever I see numbers, I know there's like some tie there. Yeah. And we see this air, outright arrogance from Lamech saying like, my father killed his brother. I'm going to kill way more because I know Cain, he was forgiven. I'll be forgiven too. Just almost like disregard for that. And we see this almost exact like inverse parallel, I guess you could say of this happening with Peter here. It's like, I want to forgive somebody seven times. She says, I'm going to forgive 77 times. And it's almost, Jesus saying like, I don't, we're not just, we're not going to kill and, and murder and mm-hmm. all of that. We're going to forgive that many times. Yeah. So Jesus is undoing the works of men. Yeah. And this, just this small interaction with Peter, they probably wasn't even seeing the significance at the time. Yeah. So really cool context there for what's going on. Jesus really flipping things on their head. Yeah. Um, well, because like seven, seven numbers, numbers have some significance in Jewish culture and Jewish scriptures. And so three, seven and 12 mm-hmm. are seen as whole or complete numbers. Mm-hmm. So Peter's like, oh, well, seven times that's complete enough forgiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, I'm going to go further, like go complete, complete mm-hmm. uh, seven, seven, 77 times or some people in other versions it says seven times 70 yeah it's like complete your forgiveness like complete forgiveness for whoever's wronging you in reality it's like never stop it's really what it is it's like if we see what what complete something's complete it never ends you know it's consistent throughout time and just to show the sheer number um this whole time in this parable jesus uses that exaggerating tone even with like the parable um he we see that the 10,000 talents. Talents means nothing to the everyday person, but um, I've heard it compared to anywhere from like one to 20 years wages, um, a lot of different ranges there. But ultimately to say 10,000 talents is like a ton of money, just yeah. like like no more money than any man should ever have or be yeah. owed or anything like that. Yeah. But just showing like the significance of that versus like the denarii, which is a, like a hundred pieces of silver, which yeah. is a few months wages basically. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing like the, the sheer difference in the forgiveness versus the unforgiveness, yeah. forgiving a lot and not forgiving a little um, really does paint that context a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I, the money, we want to get wrapped up. How much money is that? It doesn't matter. It's the, it, the difference, exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about there. Is Jesus wants us to see that difference and then to um, recognize it. And it's like, if you can't forgive this little thing, how are you expecting to be forgiven for the big things? In the story, it seems that that's what's being set up. Yeah, and like there's even like a, a more treacherous, I guess the right word would be treacherous component of that in that like he wants to throw him in jail. Mm-hmm. And as we know with our justice system, when you throw somebody in jail, there's no rehabilitation. There's no mm-hmm. repaying a debt. It's like, how is somebody supposed to work in jail to pay off their debt? Mm-hmm. Like, in like that alone, there's a lot of stuff we can get into that with that. But ultimately, he wants him to pay eternally for this small debt. Yeah. It's not even just our justice system. Like, then, back then, mm-hmm. you get thrown in jail. You don't, you don't earn money. Yeah. That's the, you know, Jesus is a master storyteller because he uses hyperbole. Mm-hmm. And like someone being thrown into jail, what can they not do? They're thrown into jail because of a debt. What they cannot do is work to earn money for their family. Mm-hmm. The, po- the point the point isn't about the debt at that point. It is like pure vengeance. Yes. And then like at its very core, 
we go back, that's what Lamech and Cain were doing. They're acting in that pure yeah. vengeance motivation. There's no going back from that. Yeah. And so that can be a lot of our reason. I feel like that's something I kind of pulled out of this is like yes. our reason for unforgiveness is that we just want to hold that against somebody. Mm, why do you think that is? I don't know. The, the sense of control, yeah. I guess there's some of that. Do you struggle with forgiveness at all? I, I would say uh, it's, it depends on the context, but there okay. definitely is times where I do struggle to forgive. Um, I think that also something that's helped me with understanding forgiveness is to really um, understand the difference between like God or Jesus is calling us to forgive here, right? Mm-hmm. He's not calling us to necessarily restore and go back to the way things were because there's Reconcile. times where forgiveness is, yeah, reconciliation, basically. Mm-hmm. We do have a ministry of reconciliation. We see that in Second Corinthians, but we... When it comes to forgiveness, he's calling us to forgive, not necessarily to go back to, because I feel like in church, we've taken this too far in some senses. And like, just like forgive and forget and move on and go back to what you were doing before that can create a culture of abuse. And 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 that's a very dangerous thing. And I think I want to make a note of that here because Jesus is not saying just forgive and go back. Um, and just six of the way things were. Be aware of that. Um, he even lays out a structure in this in the previous section about um, when you when we're like yes. the whole like we, so we always hear the out of context where two or more so gather. On this. Yeah, like the, there's a structure built into this about how we should go about forgiveness. He yeah. lays out the structure and then explains the nature of why we should do it. And I think it's a really cool thing to touch on. Can you talk about that structure and connect it to um, forgiveness or like? You, can you make that connection for people where you said, oh, he doesn't call us to go back, mm-hmm. um, you know, but he does say forgive and he lays out a structure. How did those play together? Yeah, for sure. And like, like I said, I think there is a place for going back to the way things were and forgiveness for smaller things. But like, let's say like you're in like an abusive relationship or like you've been severely wronged by somebody that just has hurt you to your core. And yeah. like, honestly, like, like maybe put you in a place of depression. Like, I think it's important to keep the structure in mind because Jesus lays out a plan of how you can go about that forgiveness process. Yeah. Um, because the goal, like honestly probably is like reconciliation at first, if it's possible. So you start by just going, um, according to Jesus here in the structure, go to that person, share how you were hurt, um, the grievance or whatever it may be. Yep. Um, if that isn't uh, taken care of, then you bring a friend of yours or like, like a brother or sister in Christ, whatever like the context is there and go to that person with them to advocate on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and then from there, it just gradually the circle widens more and more and honestly puts up safety barriers as you go through that process because we're bringing things that are hidden to light. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important mm-hmm. to bring that out. And I've been really proud of like the way, especially with like violence uh, towards women and things like that in our culture, how we're becoming more and more aware of that over the years, like bringing things to light is is a very important part of this process. Yeah. And I think that like that Jesus spelled out that plan right there, like include more people if this continues as yeah. it grows. Yeah. And so there is no point about saying, okay, then everything go back, goes back to normal. Yeah. At the end, it's more like treat them. They, I think it says, I think as a tax collector, as an unbeliever. Yeah. yeah. And so I, Jesus, which is interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, that, that seems a little like judgmental towards the tax collector because the very person writing this book's book is a tax collector. Yeah. So, um, yeah. th- this account. And so 
I think Jesus was saying, like, treat them as though they aren't a believer. They don't understand clearly, even if they are professing that, that they are that it treat them as not. And because ego comes in, can come into play in that regard. Yeah. And like, it's moving, you know, what you're hitting on there, the concentric circles, you're moving further and further out. I love the, the idea that you presented there of um, more people are getting involved. So the truth is being brought to light. Yeah. Um, And when dark things are made lit, uh, it heals, it's restorative. And so it's coming out further and it's protecting yourself. Like mm-hmm. um, we're not in no way saying if you've been abused or you're in an abusive relationship to uh, keep going back to the person you've made that clear or to journey that on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're in an abusive relationship and they're continuing to hurt you, it's like then get help, talk to a counselor, talk to, an advocate, someone to come in and begin to work through that relationship um, with you. And you keep, like you said, if they're unrepentant, then move a further circle out. If they're unrepentant, still move a further circle out. And you keep like establishing boundaries to protect yourself and to protect your community because someone is acting in an unhealthy or harmful manner. And that's what Jesus is kind of laying out there. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't forgive. <laughs> Like we just aren't reconciliation takes two people. Yeah. Forgiveness takes one. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, that point that that's why I'm so glad you're saying that because like the church has not historically done this well. I shouldn't say historically, um, the church in the last 20 years, 30 years, um, has not done this well. Right. Uh, as we watch, um, churches respond to scandals and allegations and they get defensive and circle the wagons and protect themselves rather than going to the hurt um, and protecting them. Yeah. I, whenever I see something like a, again, like this might be a hot take or whatever, whenever I see like an NDA involved in a church, that mm. just, that just sends a red flag up for me. Like that seals so opposite of this. It's containing the truth hmm. instead of like letting the truth come to light because Ultimately, if it's worth, um, obviously, there's points where we want to keep like things secret for like their like intimate details for somebody yeah. for their benefit. Sure, I understand that, but also, yeah. like when we're when you're bringing a legal dynamic in to like hide the truth of something that could be very damaging to others, that's that sets up so many red flags for me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to the question where I said, "Hey, is it hard for you to forgive?" Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing I know about you is um, you are more than your number. <laughs> but uh, on the Enneagram, if you've studied that at all, um, it's uh, it's not a personality test. It's a way of identifying how you move through the world and then gives you behaviors or um, things to work on to grow and become healthier. So sometimes um, when people have done Myers-Briggs, they're like, oh, I'm just an INFP. And that's just who I am. That's uh, actually what I am, by the way. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just was saying letters. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, but people want to just like use their, I'm not saying everybody, so, uh, but people want to use it as an excuse to yeah. continue to act in their unhealthy behaviors. I've done this. That's why I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying that. For sure. Um, Enneagram, people want to get, well, I'm just a nine. I'm just a three. I'm just an eight. That's why I'm so brash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you don't just get to continue in that way. The point of the Enneagram is to help you grow. Mm-hmm. So to connect all this, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, um, as, cause I know you're nine mm-hmm. or you have nine like behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that make it more difficult for you to forgive? Because a nine typically wants to not acknowledge their own anger. And just 
move on. Like they're the peacemaker. They're just like, oh yeah, it's no big deal, and just move on. Yeah, I um, it it's an interesting dynamic because it is very much a two thing, two forces working together, like a desire for peace mm-hmm. and reconciliation in its purest form is the ultimate goal, but also keeping that inner peace in play or uh, like intact does sometimes mean absorbing some emotions you may feel. So forgiveness sometimes is just like the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, forgiveness is a, it requires one person. And so like, if I'm even not even being true to myself, is it truly forgiveness? Mm. And so I'd like to say, yes, I'm really good at forgiving people, but I do have a very stubborn side of me that can like really hold me back from that. So yeah, like that, that is, that's didn't mean to make this a psychological hour for myself, but yeah, there is a, there is a, um, there is a, uh, a war inside between that and understanding what true forgiveness is. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting because, you know, um, just wondering like if you just are absorbing your own emotions and not acknowledging them, like for you to forgive, you have to almost acknowledge that you've been hurt. Right. Which is some sense of anger mm-hmm. um, there. And the hurt so, part is the tricky part for yeah. sure for me. Yeah. So I don't know. I just was curious and thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah, totally. It's, it's something that like I'm more aware of now, like I like using like my own personality, understanding when something I could see that I've used, I'm leaning on my, my defense mechanisms, you know, mm. and, I, and now I know what the defense mechanisms are. So it's like, Oh, I need to really pay attention to what's going on here. Not just breeze through it. Like I usually would. That's interesting. Um, I love that insight in yourself, you know, yeah. cause I've seen you be a very peaceful person. Um, and even just like in the couple years that we've been friends mm-hmm. and just, I can get a little hyped and Kevin, you're just always like a steady, stable <laughs> ship, <laughs> which is good for a person like me. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's, there's definitely some good, some positive sides. To certain, I mean, like, honestly, you say you like on the other side, you say, the, you say the things I want to say, you know? So it's, there's also that component. So you are able like you probably can express your hurt yeah. more clearly than I, and then, the, but then also sure. the forgiveness part, I, it's, sure. it's very complicated, the process. Yeah. I just think the gift that you bring, um, to our friendship is, uh, the, like learning to be more peaceful and like kind of let things go. Um, and so like, yeah, but thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, let's see what question did I want to ask or did you have something you want to say? I mean, like, I just think that like, it does bring, I think it's really important to recognize that forgiveness is something we're asked to do, but it's not easy. It Mm. really isn't easy for anybody. And so I don't think sometimes it does come with words first, you know, just saying like, I forgive you. And then working through that process, maybe it does require for things that are more serious. It might not be very easy to forgive. Um, I think the goal, like it's speaking to a goal. We need to get to forgiveness because and not make it, you know? And so that, that, that's where it gets tricky. How do you, you know, um, as people, if you've gone through some serious trauma, um, in your life, I don't know if you have, but like working through um, forgiving people who haven't asked, don't want, like they haven't came and apologized or they haven't acknowledged that they've done anything wrong, but it's been really traumatic. Um, how do you, how does someone go about doing that? 
don't know, maybe you need to ask somebody smart, like smarter and wiser than me. I, cause I don't think I haven't figured it out yet. Um, cause there has been people that have hurt me, you know, and I just choose to not like be around them. I, I can separate myself from them. Um, so. I think it's exactly what you were talking about earlier. Um, you move to a further circle out. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't necessarily done the work of like, let's bring everybody together, you know? And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, that it gets complicated. It's like, why do I want to, if it's like really just like not worth my time. Yeah. And like that person is like, do I go through like that whole process? I mean, if preceding this parable sounds really exhausting and forgiveness, yeah. you know? And so, I don't know. Like, it's like, sometimes like, is it worth it? Like maybe I'm just not supposed to like our paths cross for a time and then that's done, you know? And like, like is it worth going through that process? I don't know. Yeah. My, my gut says it's not worth it. And so that's where it like comes in here. Like, it's just like speaking to like an active existing circumstance, you know? And like, do it's like, do I just want to be better going forward? Yeah. Do I want to be the best human I can be yeah. going forward? Yeah. I don't yeah, it's uh, in my counseling, working through some of my own traumas and um, pains. It, you know, my counselor has just kind of said over and over, other people acknowledging what they've done, or your healing isn't dependent on other people's healing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard thing yeah. to recognize. Um, because it's like, there's been, I mean, there's a lot of pain. And, uh, but I can still choose to forgive and work through it. So, um, Kevin, talk to me about place. One of the things we want to talk about, like you kind of already dove into the context. Mm-hmm. And so to help our listeners um, understand the, like, where this is at um, or in some of the context, we have what happened before and right after. But where is Jesus at in, like, geographical context when he's telling this? Yeah, this whole chapter, he actually spends a lot of time in Galilee. Um, that's where he's, like, and, like, actually as soon as this parable concludes... In the Matthew timeline, he he moves on to Judea. So he's like, like that's like the last, that's like the cap on like the series of parables that he tells in this chapter. And um, I, I wonder, like, how do you think that informs this parable that he's telling? The fact that he's in Galilee, how do you think that informs this parable? I mean, Galilee is, um, is from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it is more rural away from the city. Um, I think speaking to the context of the kingdom Mm -hmm. is something that they may be, even just like the principle of a kingdom might be something they're more removed from, Mm -hmm. um, just being like, it might just be them and like their, their community, their, um, their nomadic clan, whatever they're a part of, like they might be more removed from like a more of a kingdom structure where there's the benefits that come from a kingdom because they probably haven't seen it. And so it can maybe just in itself painting that picture could be good. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Probably, that you see? I mean, no, what, what you're talking about there, it's rules. So I'm just going like, he's probably telling a story to people who are deeply in debt. Mm-hmm. So he's hitting at something where mm-hmm. they're like, oh, somebody could come and collect debt sure. and can't pay it. And he's, you know, telling that's informing some of the story that he's telling. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just curious. But I did notice too, like you said, the very next chapter, um, He's, it tells us, oh, when he finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River, and large cow, crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. And so it's like, you have a very clear, like, oh, we're moving on to a different time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, 
Um, in there, then, we've covered where, we've covered some of the context. Is Jesus teaching about himself, the kingdom of God, or his mission here on earth? Yeah, I, like sometimes it can be difficult in parable context. I think in this, it's pretty straightforward. He's talking about the kingdom and life yes. in the kingdom. Yes. Um, because everything is flipped on its head. He's just got, I mean, like, this is what it's like. He's like using that kingdom language all throughout and flipping things on its head. Yep. And I think that it's very, like, he, he's, I think he's being very intentional with his message and clear like even though these parables can be a little ambiguous he's making like this is the kingdom and so like in the in the countryside these stories might spread and so like there is something powerful to that so just being clear i think is a strategic move here and like in the best way possible what do you think about the fact that this is a story he told to peter um one he's responding to peter saying oh look at how much i've forgiven him but like i'm curious is there anything else that Maybe, like, there's a reason Matthew would have included, like, Peter asked this question, and then he tells the story to Peter. Yeah. Um, I always notice that when Peter asks a question, a really powerful thing happens right after it. <laughs> and because he is just, like, a dynamic personality. Yeah. Um, I think more than likely, those conversations were never between the two of them. <laughs> I think there's probably some people around to that. Uh, but also just showing that, like, Peter is coming across as honestly probably pretty eloquent when he brings these questions sure. up. And so just to say like, Hey, like there's actually more here that you're missing. Yeah. And I think that there, there is an intentionality to when he asks those questions, because it's very rare that we see from other disciples individually asking those questions as much as Peter. It's by yeah. far the most yeah. from him. What happens later in Peter's life? Just being like the head of the church in in, in Jerusalem, like being along with like or with uh, James, um, the brother of yeah. Jesus, like they definitely work together. But yeah, he, you know. he he's a very he's a, he's a dynamic personality. He's giving these very dynamic sermons yeah. later on. He yes. like the three like saving yes. three thousand souls in Damascus or in uh, in the Book of Acts. Yeah. Um, and we see he's people listen to Peter, yeah. and so when Jesus is bringing like actually giving him that respect and answering him there, yep. people are listening. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, like you said, Jesus is saying, this is what life is in like in the kingdom. And he, if Jesus or Peter is going to be a leader in the church, he wants me to see that. Um, but something like I love, uh, when you texted me, this I was like, yes, like I love this parable, mm-hmm. um, because Peter's the one that asks it and then asks it. And then, um, you go a couple chapter chapters later and Jesus is dying on the cross, or he's not dying on the cross yet, but he's in a courtroom, and Peter is in the courtyard. And what happens there? Peter then is denying Jesus, and on the third time, Jesus looks at it. And then, you know, Jesus dies on the cross, he comes back to life, they go, they're having breakfast, and Peter and Jesus have this moment where, like, Peter is forgiven mm-hmm. by Jesus. We see the follow-up, like, that action of the story, very yes. of the question he asked, he lived it out. Yeah, and I wonder if Peter always remembered the story. Hmm. Never thought like, about that. You know, I I denied Jesus, and he forgave me for that. Mm-hmm. So why, like, he's? I wonder if he's like sitting there then with everybody else going like, I owe Jesus a million dollar debt, and he mm-hmm. forgave it. And so this person that owes me a ten dollar debt, why would I not? Yeah. Or a hundred, or a thousand dollars, or ten thousand, or a hundred thousand dollars. I wonder if Peter just always carried that around and going, but Jesus forgave me this, so how could I not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you 
Mm-hmm. I just have always found that an interesting connection that it's like Peter that asks, Jesus tells the story, Peter denies, Jesus forgives Peter. There's a full cycle that like runs through, it's like this underlying storyline. It's it's really, a, that is a really powerful, I don't know if we see that as clearly in any of the other parables. Mm-hmm. Like we, there's, there's components like sure, but that's a very clear like yeah. whole story. Right. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me then, how, how did reading this, how did what you learned and um, as you've reflected on it, like how did that inform your faith and what are you going to do with it? I think that it really made this, uh, this gospel story, this parable, like feel more like applicable, like when I'm reading it at this time, like sometimes when I read scripture, it just feels very like, that's really cool in that context and yeah. stuff. And like I, that's a good lesson to learn. I kind of leave it at that. This feels like, like Jesus laying out the structure beforehand. It coming out of a natural conversation with Peter really got my attention. And like using that structure from the previous section and seeing how important forgiveness is, mm-hmm. like I think it's um, really just helps me understand a little bit like some of those dynamics, especially between reconciliation and and just get just forgiving for yourself, like for, um, unforgiveness. I know I've been through it. Can eat you alive? Like it really yeah. can. Like, and it just wears you down. And so, just um, is, is there any unforgiveness you're holding on to right now? I mean, it's hard to like nail down like specifically right now. But like, it's something that like when I see. I mean, for being honest, like we've expressed some like. Um, distaste almost for our church upbringing and how they've handled forgiveness. I'm almost like unforgiving about how they've handled that process and how they've failed from my experiences and, and navigating the very clear plan Jesus lays out. Mm. So like forgiving some of those people that have hurt me Mm. in that context could be really beneficial. And like, I don't know what that looks like right now. It's something that I might need to think through. What would, what could forgiveness look like there then? Like, think through it with me right now. I mean, it could mean, like, going back and just welcoming that person or saying, like, it could mean just like a, almost like a moment of that. But also, if it, if it's not meaning, if it's not a place where I feel like I feel safe to do that, maybe it is just like actively through that mm-hmm. I think that's that's a really important thing and also to recognize why I see that hurt in others and help them through that because I think a big part of forgiveness is um, so that you can help others forgive yeah. and so um, being transparent about what that process looked like for myself mm-hmm. after the fact could be good as well yeah yeah I love I love the uh, application you said there of if it's not safe, I can still forgive by praying through it. Mm-hmm. And then when those thoughts come back, I can say, I've forgiven that. Mm-hmm. I've forgiven that. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Because I, like, I think, like you said, like, it's never, like, there's never, like, this shining moment. You, like, you see the movie, like, I've finally forgiven them. Yeah. It's not that. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a process, like, of, like, this day I feel fine about it. The next day I don't. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, but, the, but having that in place, like, oh, no, remember what you have forgiven yeah yeah that's good um okay so then i guess what i would challenge you kevin uh like 
as we come out of this in, in this parable is like spend some time because you've identified a place where you feel like, oh, you are holding on to some unforgiveness and then figure out like what action step do I need to take to forgive them? Is mm-hmm. it writing a letter? Is it talking to them? Mm-hmm. Um, or clearly, if you start a little bit further back, clearly writing out like here's the hurt or here's the way I was disappointed. Yeah. So that you can do that unforgiveness or forgiveness practice. Yeah. It won't be easy. I, 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 that's the one thing I like. Like I, I feel like there's been people in my life that where they've heard and I have done that, and it's been good. And but like, it, I just for anybody listening, I don't want any of you to think that this is like an easy process because yeah. Jesus says to do it. In fact, usually when Jesus says to do something, it's pretty difficult. So, um, <laughs> like, I really like want to make that clear. Like, this isn't just a matter of just sitting down and doing something one day. It might be. It might take that. It might be how you operate, but give yourself some grace in that. Like, I know it, it can seem very, the message of that parable, if you read to the end, seems a little like doom and gloom for sure. But I really think that like God knows the intentions of our heart. And if our goal is forgiveness, that's what he's looking for. We see it throughout scripture when Jesus calls out the Pharisees. He's, he's speaking to their core. He's not speaking to their actions. Mm-hmm. And so I think, recognizing that forgiveness is a process um, and it is a goal. I think that's going to help almost free you up and it might free myself up even to just remind myself of that. Yeah. Cause that ending there um, where he's like, if you don't forgive people, my father won't forgive you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more just a statement of my experience of God's forgiveness than it is like a damnation. Yeah. It's like, if I can't forgive others, I haven't truly embraced Jesus's forgiveness of me. Mm-hmm. Because when I embrace Jesus' forgiveness of me, I'm recognizing, like Peter, oh, this is the million-dollar debt that mm-hmm. I got forgiven right. for. How could I not? Mm-hmm. Because my Savior, my Lord, my example that I follow my faith after did that right. for me. Mm-hmm. So it's that call to obedience. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure um, talking to you, as always, and your insights and your thoughts. I always love sharing. It's always good talking. And sometimes, whether we're recording or not, love talking to you. everyone for tuning in Uh, this has been another episode of the holy district podcast Um, as we are a community of people in allentown pennsylvania and gilbert arizona rediscovering sacred and integrating uh, jesus into our communities where um, we live work and play if you want to partner with us you can go to our website to find out more information holydistrict.org you can schedule a spiritual direction session there or Um, partner with us through prayer and uh, by giving as we seek financial sustainability Um, and have a great week.